Hello, my name is Mason Wilder, Research Manager at the ACFE, uh, and welcome to Fraud Talk, the ACFE's podcast. Today, I'm joined by Larry Nielsen, a CFE and detective, and also a crypto consultant uh, in the making here. And today, we're going to be talking about cryptocurrencies, digital assets, and uh, how certified fraud examiners can teach themselves a little bit about some of these emerging technology areas and incorporate it into their investigations and, and things they need to know or uh, resources for them to, to learn about the technology from somebody who has a unique perspective as a law enforcement agent that has kind of became interested in the technologies and is, is a little bit of a, a self-taught um, expert on it now. So. Uh, without further further ado, welcome, Larry Nielsen. Hi, hey Mason, thank you for having me. I really uh, I really appreciate this opportunity and uh, being here. Yeah, and so for the audience, I've uh, I've had a few conversations with Larry previously, and I've been struck by uh, his his story that he's shared with me about just kind of teaching himself the enough about cryptocurrency to really be able to. Uh, investigate or use use that knowledge in investigations. And so I thought it'd be good for him to share his experience with the audience. And, and so Larry, why don't you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about your background? As far as my background, I have over 15 years law enforcement experience, over five years investigating specifically financial crimes as a detective. Um, I am a CFE, Certified Fraud Examiner, as well as a CTCE, Cryptocurrency Tracing Certified Examiner, certified by CypherTrace. You know, um, obviously anything that I'm talking about uh, in the podcast is, is my opinion. And even though I haven't said which law enforcement agency I work for, I just it's obviously not the opinion of, of the agency that I work for. It's, it's, this is all coming from me. So when uh, when when did it really capture your attention uh, from a professional kind of interest in in terms of uh, discovering that this would be a handy thing to learn about for for your role as a law enforcement agent? Let's say, and I was trying to think of the exact year, but I want to say I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say maybe 2018 ish. Um, you know and I was already a, a detective in financial crimes investigations at that time, um, you know, I started to personally see uh, a couple cryptocurrency related cases trickling through, um, and they have seemed to just ramp up since then. What was uh, the perspective of the law enforcement agency in those instances where cryptocurrency elements popped up in investigations? Well, you know, and, and I wouldn't say this was just the agency that I worked at. I think just in general, cryptocurrency, it just kind of looked at like, hey, it's cryptocurrency. So is it unsolvable? Because cryptocurrency was just looked at as, you know, very mysterious and secretive and elusive. You know, um, it, it's it's been thought of for the longest time as really just being associated with the dark web, and you know, you don't want to go there, you don't want to delve into that, and and really, you're not going to be able to get much information out of it because cryptocurrency is involved. 
in those uh, first few kind of instances where it popped up in investigations did was the the general response to just kind of shrug the shoulders and and move on to more uh, familiar aspects of the investigation well and i i will say that that you know even though cryptocurrency was involved i would still try to investigate the case to the best of my ability however you know, when you get to a point where there's an unknown and, and maybe the technology, the knowledge, the information just isn't available or, you know, just not the knowledge isn't as widespread at the time, there's really just nowhere to go with it. So you just you try and the old investigative techniques and, and they get you to a point, but then boom, you get the cryptocurrency and it's kind of like it, it vanished. Was there, is there anything that kind of sticks out about one of those early cases that, that really made you think, you know what, I need to, I need to learn how to trace this stuff or, or identify what I'm really dealing with here? Well, I wouldn't say it was one case, Mason. I, I would say that it was the fact that, like I said, I think it's 2018-ish to, I'm just going to jump all the way to 2021. I started to see the amount of those cases coming in, ramping up. And once I started to see that um, happening, I, I knew that I needed to learn more about this stuff because it was not something that was going away. It was only going to be more of it coming my way. Well, and that uh, that instinct seems to have been proven accurate at this point because uh you know as i'm sure our listeners uh can attest to it is it is not going away and 2022 looks to be another very busy year for cryptocurrencies and digital assets like nfts and the, the and of course with uh metaverse entering the lexicon and everybody talking about you know what the web metaverse and web 3.0 stuff is going to look like um it, it's just going to be a fixture but let's uh let's go back a little bit to when you decided that this was a topic you needed to learn more about for your professional role uh how did you go about teaching yourself about cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain and digital assets? You know, it's not super complicated, I guess. And maybe this just fits how my personality works, but I began to invest in it. I began to invest in it. <laughs> I, I just dove right in. Um, you know, like I said, I consider myself kind of techie, so um, I, I wasn't really intimidated by it, but there was a bit of a learning curve there. It's, it's like a learn by doing situation, you know, by personally opening accounts on cryptocurrency exchanges, buying cryptocurrency, sending, receiving cryptocurrency and seeing the way that it works and moves across the blockchain and how transactions are recorded on the blockchain. Um, I began to under, understand it better from doing that. I'm going to take a wild guess uh, that the first cryptocurrency acquisition you made was bitcoin you know what you would be wrong there actually oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was what was uh did you get sold on a on a hot new cryptocurrency by somebody no i i can't you know what i don't remember the very first 
one that I purchased, it was, I think it was some kind of little uh, not popular or successful crypto. And, and I don't, I don't remember hundred percent of what the first one was, but I really don't own a lot of Bitcoin at all, which, you know, we can talk about Bitcoin more, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, by the time I discovered Bitcoin, I think it was a little bit more expensive than I wanted to, you know, more money than I wanted to spend on crypto. As, as you were just really familiarizing yourself with the technologies and the different currencies and, and exchanges and everything, were there any really big surprises for you? One of the biggest surprises for me as I began to really get into these investigations, because even in the beginning, investigating cryptocurrency, even I came in with the mindset, like we discussed earlier, you know, crypto is a little bit untouchable, you know, and uh, it's completely anonymous. It's very difficult, if not impossible to follow it and get any information. But what I learned along the way is that you cannot assume that just because a bad actor uh, knows how to hack their way into a system or do a SIM swap or compromise a victim's email account or access their cryptocurrency wallet or cryptocurrency exchange account, um, it doesn't mean that that bad actor knows how cryptocurrency really works and really moves across the blockchain. Um, at, again, as I started getting further into these investigations, I started to discover this. And the things that those bad actors don't know about cryptocurrency, they leave breadcrumbs for investigators like me, law enforcement investigators, or fraud examiners to follow. Um, and that leads to being able to see for yourself as an investigator that cryptocurrency really is not completely anonymous. As other fraud examiners that are maybe just now finding themselves in the position you were in a few years ago where they're realizing, okay, this is starting to come up more and I, I really need to familiarize myself more with this. Um, is, are there any kind of recommendations or what advice would you give yourself three years ago? Well, again, it, 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 everything, I, I think that a lot of times in, in law enforcement investigations and probably with the fraud examiners that are strictly working as fraud examiners, um, any investigations, I think we kind of like to overcomplicate things I and mean, it makes it more difficult for us. Going back to the basics, I would say that they should familiarize themselves with different types of cryptocurrency wallets, get to know the top cryptocurrency exchanges, install a cryptocurrency wallet on your mobile device or your PC, open an account at a known trusted cryptocurrency exchange, purchase some cryptocurrency and send some to, the, to your cryptocurrency wallet because you really need to get a feel for how it works and how it moves uh, to really understand what you're looking at in these investigations. Another good thing that to do is go to a site like coinmarketcap.com um, for example, to see the cryptocurrency prices in real time, the rankings, um, and learn more about the names, the symbols, because all of that's going to be useful in your investigations. Uh, you can learn about the amount in circulation, the total supply, and a lot of other things. It's really interesting. And it's not just about investing in cryptocurrency. These are things that you need to know.
as an investigator. You know, not NFTs you mentioned earlier, and you wrote that great article about the, the non-fungible tokens. They're also very important to know uh, as the popularity has risen quite a lot you know, in the past year alone. In 2021, I, I, I saw NFTs just become way more mainstream. You know, um, they're cryptocurrency based and um, they're related to that, but they're a different animal in their own way. And I think that you can go to a site like OpenSea. That's a good place to check those out. You can review the top collections and see how they're sold and how they're listed. Since you've kind of acquired this knowledge and taught yourself this uh, familiarity with the, the technologies and, and the, way they tra- the way transactions work, how much have you had the chance to use that in actual, your actual law enforcement investigations? You know, I, I got to tell you that, like I said, since 2018 ish, you know, when these things first started trickling in, or at least I remember, I, I probably saw them before that and I didn't even really know what I was looking at. You know, I, I'm just going to make this real simple and I'll tell you that last year in 2021, I don't believe a single day went by that I didn't have at least one cryptocurrency related crime that I was investigating. Now, I don't mean that I got a new crime each day, but it was just, you know, I I don't think a day went by that I wasn't even, that I wasn't at least investigating one. And and most of the time I had multiple uh, cases that I was looking at involving cryptocurrency. Can you walk us through some of the types uh, or give us some examples without, you know, you don't have to get too specific on, on details uh, or get yourself in trouble or anything, but what are some of the kind of investigations that, that uh, you've seen in the last year? No, that's okay. A lot of the scams and fraud cases that you would see with regular, you know, fiat currency, they translate right over to cryptocurrency. It's just, you know, the, the bad actors are, you know, changing the medium, you know, from fiat to crypto. But for example, the romance scam cases, the grandparent scam cases. Um, now, instead of, let's say, instead of, um, they still do the fiat currency, but for the crypto ones, in, instead of them telling, um, calling a, a grandparent on the phone and saying, hey, you know, you're, we have your grandson here, he's been arrested. Um, you need to go wire us ten thousand dollars from your bank to this bank account, um, and we'll let we'll you know we'll let them go. Um, instead of that, now they're saying, "Hey, you need to go to this Bitcoin kiosk, you know, this cryptocurrency kiosk, and you need to send us X amount of Bitcoin, for example." Um, and they send it to another. They give them a wallet address to send it to. That's one example. And then we have the SIM swap cases where it's just a straight up theft of someone else's cryptocurrency. Again, it's traditional crimes, but, you know, a different medium. Has there been a case where you've been able to apply some of your knowledge about either tracing transactions uh, that, that led you to identify a particular suspect in a case or determine where uh, some illicit funds went or that helped you uh, obtain a court order in a case? One example is is a case uh, where the stolen cryptocurrency was traced to accounts at a known cryptocurrency exchange located outside of the United States. Um, subpoenas were issued. They're pretty 
you know, pretty easy to get from the state attorney's office. It's like getting a subpoena for a bank. Records were received from the exchange, uh, and but there were issues getting search and seizure warrants for the accounts on the exchange due to multiple factors. Uh, one of them being, you know, jurisdictional, um, and and also it's it's important to note that you know right now, like the state attorney's office, um, who are very good at their jobs, by the way. Obviously, they they still have to apply case law and court experience that is based around traditional uh, fiat currency crimes and, you know, which makes sense. But I, I know that there's going to be new case law uh, coming down the pipe that's going to be created in regards to the emerging cryptocurrency world and related crimes. That's one example. Um, another case is uh, where I actually used the information from uh, subpoenaed records received from another known cryptocurrency exchange where a suspect was eventually identified. What happened first was that I was able to identify an IP address from those records. And then from there, I used open source investigative tools to identify the IP provider. And then from there, subpoenaed records from that provider was able to actually identify a person and an address linked to that IP address, as, as well as also important, identify the first cryptocurrency wallet that the cryptocurrency, the stolen cryptocurrency was transferred into from the victim's account. And then after that, the cryptocurrency was transferred from that initial wallet to another wallet. So that was you know two transfers after it was stolen. Um, and then what I was able to do was use open source blockchain analytics and watch that wallet um, to see my victim's cryptocurrency sitting there. And then I was using, I was able to use that, you know, the same blockchain an analytics to keep an eye on it and to see when it moved and where it moved. Wow. So there's uh, lots of different little kind of breadcrumbs available out there between uh, wallet addresses and IP addresses and service providers and all kind of little uh, potential entry points, I guess, or, or, or road marks on the investigative path where you can gain some headway or, or work towards attributing that wallet or account to an actual person. Yeah, absolutely, Mason. It's really a combination of, you know, traditional investigative methods, in my opinion, plus adding in the cryptocurrency element, which has its own specifics that you need to know and be able to identify and work with to move an investigation forward. And if you're able to do that, you know, there's a, I, I've, I've had success with every subpoena that I've written for records in that regard. It, again, it's just about following the steps and, and mapping it out and painting a clear picture. You know, even some of the out of the country cryptocurrency exchanges will still cooperate with uh, U.S. subpoenas for records. Um, most of them really don't want the criminal element operating on their platforms. Now, search and seizure warrants um, can be a bit trickier, uh, mostly from, again, from my personal experience due to jurisdiction issues. You know, again, some of the exchanges located outside of the United States, just, you know, obviously because a search and seizure order is a little more, you know, they dig in a little more than a, just a subpoena. You're looking for something else, but you know, the, the exchanges I find they're really trying to work with law enforcement from what I've seen. 
and uh, making connections with federal law enforcement, um, who, the, by, by the way, are also taking these crimes very seriously and getting an assist there could help as far as if it's an out of the country exchange. It's still a process, though, you know, to do that. You've been incorporating this, the, your cryptocurrency knowledge into your official law enforcement investigations, but uh, I know you've also mentioned that you're expanding beyond just your official law enforcement role into a kind of consulting arena or area there. Can you talk a, a little bit about what that's been like? You know, I, like I said, we've discussed, I, I've just been seeing more and more cryptocurrency related content out there. And I'm involved in multiple cryptocurrency, NFT, metaverse uh, related groups on social media, uh, which there, there's a lot of good information out there in those arenas, believe it or not, you just have to be able to weed through the scammers. You know, I, I had also made contact with individuals and families, or actually rather they made contact with me, either directly or indirectly, who wanted to get started in cryptocurrency, NFTs, or metaverse, and just didn't know where to begin. You know, not only was I learning about the common scams and crypto-related crimes at work through the practical application and, and through investigations, but also by seeing people on social media discussing scams and crimes that they had fallen victim to. Um, you know, I started a business called FinTech Focus Training and Consulting, uh, registered with the state of Florida. I, I help individuals, families, organizations uh, get started with uh, cryptocurrency, NFTs, and metaverse in a way using the best practices and mitigating their risk exposure to fraud and scams. I'm also currently working with a partner um, and actively developing training for law enforcement that may even benefit fraud examiners in reference to cryptocurrency investigations that focuses on the basic knowledge needed and easy to understand investigative steps to take to start the investigations correctly and you know move them forward instead of just like we said earlier, kind of filing them in the unsolvable drawer um, just due to lack of training and general knowledge in the area. Um, it's from my training and, and actual experience investigating these crimes and mistake mistakes I've made. There have been plenty, you know, wins, losses, things that I've learned. Like I said, I've already discussed with detectives in other states, talked to them about cryptocurrency related cases that they're working on or needed help with in their, or I needed help with in their areas where they work, um, kind of help to educate them a bit on the topic. That sounds really interesting. Uh, what if, if, if there's anybody in the audience that's interested in kind of learning more about that or your services, how could they, uh, how could they find you and get in touch with you? Thank you again for asking that, Mason. I really appreciate that, man. Um, again, the company, fin, my company, FinTech Focus Training and Consulting. Um, the website is fintechfocus.io. That's F-I-N-T-E-C-H focus.io. Also, um, you can find us on Facebook at FinTech Focus TC on Facebook. You mentioned uh, how to how to start a cryptocurrency investigation off on the right foot. Can you can you give us a little uh, a, a snippet of that, or just a, the the quick quick summary of at least something not to do? Well, I'll tell you that just 
what I'll tell you, probably one of the most important things, and it might seem obvious, but you know, sometimes not so much. And sometimes the victims don't 100% know that they need to save this information or give you this information, but you need the wallet addresses and um, you need, the, you need the, the victim's wallet address, their cryptocurrency wallet address where they sent the cryptocurrency from. That's like the starting point. And if you can, you want to get the transaction hash as well. You know, and, um, and sometimes they're given QR codes or whatever, whatever to scan. Um, but you, you really need to just just one tip like for investigators. And again, it might seem obvious, but you need that wallet address because if you don't have that wallet address and it has to be correct. So it's kind of like a copy and paste situation, not a try to write it down yourself because you know how long those things are. Right. Um, you, you need to make sure you have that right off the bat. So you spent a couple of years familiarizing yourself and teaching yourself a lot about cryptocurrencies, digital assets, and, and blockchain technology. You've been applying some of this in your official law enforcement investigations, and you're getting a, a consulting company up and running to specialize in this. Can you talk about the biggest lessons you've learned over this last year and what you're going to be keeping a close eye on going into uh, 2022? Going into 2022, I'm going to continue to keep a close eye on cryptocurrency, NFTs, and um, anything metaverse related. Um, they're kind of at the forefront of my interest right now. I'm just continuing to learn and experience uh, all I can in those in those spaces and. I mean, that's, that's where, where I'm at right now. And I, I've just, I, I've learned how large of an impact cryptocurrency and, and now again, NFTs even more so and the metaverse are going to be making on our society and how much money is flowing through all of those spaces. And, you know, where, where the money flows, the bad guys go, you know what I mean? I, I just made that up. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's for real. It's serious. And that's why I, that's why we need to keep a close eye on this. That's why law enforcement needs to keep a close eye on this. And that's why the public needs to really be educated in, in how to protect themselves. And there's no hundred percent foolproof way to protect yourself. But as you know, even with identity theft crimes, we can only try to mitigate our risk. Is there any kind of summary or big picture takeaway for fraud examiners that you can offer based on your experience teaching yourself about cryptocurrency and applying it on the job and getting your own kind of shop up and running? I, I, I know it's going to repeat myself because I know we've discussed a lot um, in the time that you've had me on here, but just my my biggest thing is again get to know the cryptocurrency exchanges get on coin market cap get yourself a crypto wallet you know start sending and receiving some cryptocurrency yourself that that's that's really I, it sounds so basic but that's really the best way to really get to know how this stuff works and when you start seeing certain terminology and you start seeing victims um, of of crimes or you know, um, investigations you're working on, you start seeing these, the things that they're saying, it's going to make a lot more sense to you because you've done it yourself. Uh, I would say that's a basic, basic first step in, in the area. 
Well, perfect. We'll I'll be sure and and keep a close eye on it and try and find other ways to to tap your expertise for for our membership. Thank you so much for joining us, Larry Nielsen, CFE. And uh, can you tell us the name of your company one more time? Sure, it's FinTech Focus Training and Consulting. Well, thanks. Thank you so much, Larry, for joining us again. This has been Mason Wilder, Research Manager with the ACFE. Thank you so much for listening to Fraud Talk. You can find more episodes of the ACFE's podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening and take care.